Oh, I do love to be beside the seaside. A win for Norwich City, eight games unbeaten, a point within league leaders Sheffield United. And it all feels quite rosy in uh, the world of yellow and green. Um, this is this week's Pinkin.com Norwich City podcast in association with Future Radio. Reflecting on a hard fought 1 0 win, as you have to describe a 1 0 win away from home. Hard fought, that's the label you, you have to stick on it uh, commonly, the, the cliched one, but probably true in, in the case of Norwich City um, as they uh, as they travel to and beat Blackpool on Saturday. I'm Kona Southwell. Uh, joining us this week is Sam Seaman and Paddy Davitt to reflect on that win in the Northwest. Um, I'm going to start with uh, on the seaside theme with a question for both of you gents. We'll start with Pad and then we'll go to Sam. Given that we, we ventured down to the seafront um, of uh, Blackpool and we saw various sticks of rock, if you were to have a Norwich City stick of rock and you cracked it open, what would be the one word inside at this moment in time, Paddy? Well, you've given that some thought on this Sunday morning, Connor. That's not your... Uh, give us your assessment of the game. Give us your assessment of what terminology... I, I, like, to keep you on, I like to keep you on your toes. No, I like it. I'm liking it. I'm liking it. I'm just trying to think now and try and say something pithy. Uh, it would have to be only one word in the rock. You could have a phrase. You could have a slogan. I'll let, I'll let, I'll let you have a phrase, but it, you, you're stretching this out to a fairly big <laughs> stick of rock. Well, I think that it's just that, I mean, you could come up with one word, but I think work in progress would probably do, do, do because you, you're trying to span quite a different amount of conflicting themes there and all of those were on show probably at, at Blackpool on Saturday you know in terms of good and bad and somewhere in between so yeah I, it, that's not many words work in you're only talking one two three that's only sort of I'm not going to count the amount of letters but it's not a lot of letters you, I'm sure the Blackpool rock makers of the the land could incorporate work in progress through a nice stick of got to be green and yellow sort of flavoured, you know, uh, with the stripes. Well, what are, what are, that was going to be my next question. What are the flavours in the, in this scenario? What are the, what are the yellow and green flavours in that stick of rock? Well, I mean, you don't, if you're going yellow and green, I don't see how you can, you can't trick it up and do anything other than apple and lemon, I suppose. Yellow and green. It would be a bit bit of a head messing if, if the green flavour tasted of, I don't know, strawberry. And I don't know where we're going with this. But anyway, so yeah, work in progress from me, Connor. Move on. Sam? Uh, I don't think this has ever appeared in a stick of rock because it's not particularly inspiring, but I think I'll probably say decent. It's just all right, isn't it? They're, they're doing all right on the way. Um, but yeah, this is in danger of turning into a food podcast at this point. It's the first three minutes and it's uh, plenty of food content in there, which, you know, you boys know me. I'll be I'll be right up for that, but uh, I don't think that's what, what our job is, unfortunately. Well, there we go. Uh, that's that's a different way to start it. I mean, Paddy, uh, Connor, uh, Connor, no, no. you posed the question. So, what would your motivational slogan or slogan to incorporate where Norwich are at this juncture of the championship be incorporated in a stick of confectionery? See, I, I probably gave myself time to think about it because I knew I was going to ask the question. Um, effective, I think, would be my word at this moment in time. Um, I, I could probably could probably extend it into a phrase, something along the lines of "not sexy but effective." But that's very difficult to get into a stick of rock. I think. Um, yeah. so I'll, I'll condense it down to effective but yeah, I mean it, it does it, I am taking this somewhere I mean it, we, we've had lots of discussions on this podcast speaking about um, Norwich City and, and some of that has been fairly reflective some of it's been quite critical at times and I think there's there's been some justification behind that criticism 
Um, but I, and I reference this in my video verdict pad, so I'll throw it over to you. Um, is it time we start talking about what this Norwich City team is rather than what it isn't? Because there's been a lot of the conversation, a lot of the discourse around how this team isn't maybe what the the title winning teams of of previous years, previous managers have been. But actually, they're still winning football matches. They still sit relatively pretty at the top of the championship. Is it is it start is it time that we start reframing the conversation that we have around this Norwich City team? Funny enough, both my pointers were on that kind of vibe, the kind of the, the difference between theory and practice. If, if you want to use a driving test analogy, you know, in terms of this theoretical debate around what is Smith, what is his style of play, and the practice, i.e. as it is now, twenty three points from eleven games. I think four championship clean sheets. You cannot argue with those numbers even if there's some uh, uh, around that or in the air feeling or sense that something's missing you cannot dispute this growing body of statistics which are all very favorable second in the table one point behind the leaders um and i've gone on similar theme for my sort of more considered match focus piece uh, later on um for print on monday as well and i think it, for me bizarrely because we'll just explain where we are situated at Blackpool in terms of the media seats we're effectively in the away end it's the most random um, configuration doesn't happen any other ground that I can think of where essentially we're just a, a, a gangway away from sort of reaching out and touching Norwich fans and there was plenty of Norwich fans so I don't know whether we're we're talking about this today in the context of not only the result, but the feeling that we were right in and amongst that fan base. You could feel it, you could hear it, you could experience it. And all I would say is 1,700 plus, you, you ask any of those uh, if, they, if they had any issue with that group of players, Dean Smith, how that team went about it, the result they got. Um, the reality is they didn't, they clearly didn't. And this sea of humanity that as they all filed out and went across, across the width of that main stand, or that stand, sorry, the noise uh, that accompanied them as they headed to the exit, that'll have been heard in that away dressing room, I'm sure. Um, so no, that there's no, there was no sense for me that there's a disconnect there, that there's a, something's missing. Now we know, obviously, at Carrow Road, there is justifiably a debate about atmosphere or lack of, but no, I think I think the time has come to you know package any nostalgia for Farka 1.0 and that first title win because I don't think that's that's the benchmark. I don't think that's how most teams get out of the championship. That was the anomaly for me, and I don't think it's fair to grade the work of you know Dean Smith or even Stuart Webber this time around by what happened in in eighteen nineteen. That was a season unlike any other, and and the style and the manner that Norwich set about the task probably hasn't been seen certainly since that point. Um, so it's probably, for me now, it, it really reached the point where it is unfair to judge Smith by those standards. You know, the Farker 2.0, to use that phrase, that was a fairly soulless experience, played out obviously in the pandemic in, in empty stadia. But 17, was it slender 1-0 hard-fought wins? Not 1-0, but one goal win, sorry. Um, that's where we are at the moment under this collective, you know. So... Is it that the eighteen nineteen should be taken out of the equation when you're comparing what Smith is trying to do? Um, for me, yes, because now you can only deal with the here and now. And now they, they look to be a group and a head coach who have a, a winning formula that could take them all the way back to the Premier League. And then, OK, then we can maybe assess Smith's 
methods in, in the unforgiving Premier League environment because if he does achieve anything at that level, then he will have moved it on from, from Farker because Farker palpably failed twice in the Premier League. Didn't get full season second time around, but it was heading the same way as the first. So um, that's a long-winded way of saying I think it is time to, A, stop talking or worrying about the theory of what Dean Smith is all about and what's his style of play and look at the effectiveness of it. And in the here and now, in this championship, and if you want to debate about the relative strength of this championship, well, that's a different matter. But with the opposition they've got in front of them at the moment, 11 games in, they've got a formula which seemingly would would appear on course to take them very close and hopefully over the line and back to the Premier League. So, yeah, I think ultimately nobody that I was in close proximity to in that away end at Bloomfield Road seemed to be questioning. I don't like the style of play. I don't like what Dean Smith is trying to do with his team. I don't like this, that, the other structurally about how they set up and go back the task. They were loving life. They were enjoying the ecstasy of Timmy Pukki's goal to the agony of that windswept gale force stoppage time, elongated period of keeping the ball out of Tim Krul's net. They were fully in, immersed in it. Um, and we we were all there. We all felt it at the final whistle. There was a real bond between that group of players and that head coach and those supporters. So who are we to su- suggest anything different? Yeah, absolutely. I'd uh, pick a few things out of that, which is first and foremost, I think um, there will be tougher tests to come this month in, in, inevitably and, and probably different tests is maybe the way I, w- I would describe them in terms of footballing tests. But this was still a really interesting one because it's the type of one in the championship where you, you look at the league table and it's easy to do that, easy to, to become kind of a league table analyst and, and look at games in, in that regard and say, well, Norwich went into the game in the top two, Blackpool were, were in the bottom third of the table only one way this is going, but to do that completely disrespects the context and also the environment that you're walking into. I think all of us turning up at, at Bloomfield Road, we mentioned the conditions, the type of game potentially that it could become in that sort of ground where the fans are, are on top of you and uh, the conditions aren't great and the pitch is tight. Um, you, you can easily get players who, who go missing or go hiding in that. So it felt to me almost as much a test of character as anything. And that, that's probably why we saw the type of result that we did. And actually walking out of that, away end um, uh, as we kind of headed over to, to do the post-match interviews. There, there were a lot of fans who said, well, it wasn't pretty, but they got the job done. And that 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 seems to be, and that's why I use the word effective. But I guess, Sam, and, and it's worth adding as well, for, for 20 minutes before halftime, I think Norwich probably had the best spell of football that we've seen from them this season in terms of fluidity and purposefulness and, and work in possession. But this was more of a test of character, wasn't it, Sam? Because when you go on the road, long journeys to places like Blackpool, and I hate using that phrase, but the the conditions, and I'm using it as a complimentary term, I think, um, but when you go to those type of places, it is about character and testing it and how much you're willing to, to work hard and graft because there are plenty of teams who come down from the Premier League, as we've seen in recent years, who when faced against that type of test, really struggle to, to contend with it. Yeah, and I think the encouraging thing for, for Dean Smith will be that his side faced both and, and came through both sorts of tests really in that first half. Um, it was a more of, more of a test of how they could break down a, a stubborn defence. Um, and once they got that job done, they were faced with the other side of the game, which was, you know, as you referenced in the uh, the wind and the rain to keep out a, a fairly direct championship team who, were, you know, had a, a strong support behind them and were really going for, for that equaliser. So I think the impressive thing for me was that 
we saw the side of the game which Norwich fans have, have maybe been yearning for a little bit more with the, the possession side of the game in the first half. I actually think there's perhaps been more um, more value put in the, the way that they ground that out than, than perhaps is necessary. I thought it was actually a, a better performance than we've seen in a lot of games, especially on the road so far this season. But, you know, in any in any professional league, when you're one goal up um, away from home with sort of 15 minutes to go, you are going to face that that type of test. And I thought Blackpool really did um, put the Norwich defence through it. There was a, a lot of balls into the box, um, a lot of sort of last-ditch clearances. Tim Krull made a couple of decent saves. And to see Norwich come through a test like that, having already played the way that Norwich fans want to see and, and bro- broken down Blackpool with their... Um, sort of possession-based play in their creation of chances um, was really encouraging. But yeah, I don't think there's a there's necessarily any need to boil it down simply to fighting and, and grinding something out because I actually thought, um, especially in the first half and there were periods sort of in the middle of the second half as well where they were actually linking up with each other really well and there were quite a few um, sort of one-touch interchanges in and around the box that I don't think we've seen particularly regularly so far, but the sorts of things that um, when you see those, you start to realise that these players have started to gel now. And I think Aaron Ramsey was at the heart of a lot of that. And that possibly makes sense, given obviously he's a new signing. I think he said yesterday it was his fifth fifth start for the club. Um, so, you know, it totally makes sense that he needed a bit of time to get used to the other players and that understanding needed time to, to build up um, between those players. And now they look like a team that, knows a little bit more um, what they want to do in possession and maybe has a little bit more confidence that they're moving in the same direction um, together. But, you know, the, the the thing that you want to see with successful sides and the indicators you want to see are teams that can do it in, in both ways. And um, over the course of the season so far, I think we've seen some some good performances in possession where they've broken teams down, but maybe looked a little bit vulnerable. I'm thinking... Huddersfield, um, where they were sort of very good in possession, but they didn't have that. They didn't look to have that sturdy edge. They shouldn't have conceded that that goal really. Um, and then other games like maybe Sunderland, where they have ground it out. They have found a goal somehow, and they have, um, you know, found a way around teams that were providing a stubborn test. I think what was encouraging yesterday was that we saw um, both sides and. There are going to be performances where they need that. There are going to be games where it's close and they need to use their attacking quality to find the one goal. And then they probably do need to be sturdy at the back and and, um, sit back a little bit and be able to absorb that pressure. Um, And to see them do that in a game where they didn't just have the momentum of winning, I think those sorts of performances are easy to grind out. And that sort of mentality is easy to have when you've had uh, six victories on the bounce, as they did a few weeks ago, two of had that run come to an end and then had a, a two week international break to take the momentum out even further um, to go into a game with, you know, none of those factors behind them and just a, you know, um, a, a football match to, to show their capabilities and to go and do it like that, I think was, was really encouraging. And it certainly bodes well for their championship promotion credentials going forward. Only three teams have, have conceded fewer goals than Norwich City, Sheffield United being one, uh, Rotherham and uh, and Preston, who are, are just a freak club at the minute. They, they seem to be playing games on, on kind of Morse code rather than, than goals um, at, at this moment in time. 
that that kind of defensive element pad and and I remember listening to Daniel Farker speak about this teams who who gain promotion through being defensively solid statistically have a better chance of surviving in the Premier League it's probably something I think that we've discussed on this podcast before about after relegation, what we wanted to see a Norwich City team have in terms of that defensive resilience. It was a another clean sheet yesterday. They're beginning to prove that they're able to defend really capably, aren't they? Because again, even though I know Blackpool hit the post, uh, there was one shot from range that Tim Krull beat away. There was a header from Gary Medin, but none that I would really say caused him a, a huge amount of kind of concern at, at what he was facing. They, they seem to be defending their penalty area limiting the amount of big chances they're facing. Um, it, it, probably that's improved over recent weeks as well. And, and when you do go to places like this, when the game is on such a small margin, and we'll, we'll get into just how small that margin was perhaps, or the difference of of quality in, in that margin, but they are seemingly building a better defensive base than they have done previously at this level, if, if we do want to dip back into the comparisons. Yeah, and ultimately, I'm loath to sort of now extrapolate that that because obviously they have to get there first, but what that would mean in terms of a Smith template going back into the Premier League. But worth reiterating, when he did take over the club, and they were in the Premier League, his priority, and he was very open about it, and, and crystallised with what he basically did to Max Aarons, which was, we need to be far more defensively solid. He talked again about it on Thursday, that they were giving up too many big chances when he first arrived. Um, and part of that, he felt, was limiting Max's probably natural desire to get forward and cross the halfway line and and, and showcase his, his attacking threat. Um, so that tells you the mentality that Dean Smith originally came in. And obviously, as we all know, as it played out, it wasn't nowhere near good enough to, to keep them above the, the cut line in the Premier League. But the, the numbers you have uh, alluded to already defensively this season um, suggest that, that, that that still very much is at the essence of what you're trying to do, which is build from a very very residually robust platform and you know what I would say is you know the, the quality of the finishing at this level is uh, is what it is you know that's why Pookie is such a standout uh, because when he goes through more often than not and graphically illustrated with the winner on Saturday it ends up in the back of the net you know we see it week in and week out when teams do get themselves in decent positions against Norwich while it is okay partly down to Norwich and, and their defensive resolution. The standard of finishing, I think, is is a long way short of what we get in the Premier League. So, But to, to go back to my first point, you can only deal with what's in front of you, and that is at this stage of the season, um, you know, championship forwards, championship attackers. And I, I just think what it boils down to, A, it's two parts, really. One, it's that defensive organisation at Smith and Shakespeare and Bramley, um, Alan Russell maybe as well as an input there that they're working on day in, day out, week in, week out. But ultimately, Tim Krull, Grant Hanley, Max Aarons, Andrew Obama Daly, and I'd even put Sam Barham in there. They're better than championship-grade defenders, so they should be better than championship attackers in terms of nullifying them week in, week out. doesn't always come to pass, but essentially it's probably the reverse of what Norwich encounter when they go to the Premier League, that they don't probably have as good, good of players and, you know, Coaching has its place and structure and discipline and organisation, but fundamentally it probably comes down to the grade of player you've got uh, and the resource available And at this level. And it's not just at the back end of the pitch, but that's what we're focusing on in this part of the, the chat. Um, they do have, for me, better players than, than just championship grade. And um, and obviously if you can then arrange them in a fairly cohesive unit, and there's, there is now, certainly since Byram came back into the side, there is a... 
the consistency to selection in that area of the group uh, of the pitch. And that has to help, you know, game to game, week to week. Um, you know, they know what they need to do. I thought it was quite telling, actually. I looked over when Medine came on. It was about, I think, midway through the second half, maybe slightly later. Uh, and he's a big, powerful presence. And there, there was one good save Cruel did have to make. Um, but that aside, he didn't really get much of a look in. But I, I just, I did note that as he was about to enter the field of play, Omar Daly straight over to Hanley. Uh, that footballer, modern-day footballer thing of handover over mouth. So uh, they can't see or we can't see what they're trying to speak about. I don't think you need to worry too much about cameras in the championship, but but essentially you could see they were just deconstructing between them, you know, right, this is maybe a slightly different threat to what we'd face this afternoon. Are we going to deal with it? Are you going to take him on certain situations airily? Am I going to take him? And and for me, you know, those two are really at the heart of this. You know, they are, let's be honest, they're both internationals. One's slightly more in advanced years in terms of uh, the games under his belt, one's just at the outset, but both of them, I think, are a cut above the championship. And if you've got better than championship players uh, and you can arrange them in a fairly cohesive setup, then, yeah, I'd like to think there'll be plenty more clean sheets this season. Sam, it, it, we, we spoke, um, Paddy touched upon kind of the quality threshold in terms of finishing. Was, was that encapsulated by what we saw in this game? Andrew Omaramadeli makes a mistake. Kenny Dougal runs through, doesn't have the pace. Um, power or, or probably quality to, to make that into a goal-scoring opportunity. Um, at the other end, Dom Thompson makes a mistake. It's a glorious first touch from Timmy Puki, by the way. I haven't watched it back this morning. Um, but you know when he gets put through in a situation like that, he, he doesn't miss that that type of opportunity. That's that's the difference at this level, isn't it? Particularly in games that are on such small margins. Yeah, definitely. And how many times do we sit there and go, when Norwich make a mistake and get away with it in the Premier League, that'll be a goal. Um, and we spoke a lot last season about how Norwich's problem was in the boxes. And you can see that now. Now they're in the championship, they get away with a lot more. And um, not necessarily just the, the final finish, but I think the, the final pass, perhaps the first touch at times is just that little bit um, lower in terms of quality. And, you know, it makes Tame Pookie stand out, as he said. And Dean Smith said it post-match. I don't think anybody in the stadium, once he gets that touch out of his feet, and he looks like he's heading towards the, the edge of the Blackpool box. I don't think anybody thought that wasn't going to end in a goal. And um, that is a, a significant difference. You know, I'm saying it again, but I don't think in the Premier League, Norwich get away with that chance. Maybe they got a little bit lucky with the the player that it fell to. I think Dougal is a bit more of a um, sort of box-to-box all-rounder midfielder. If it would have fell to somebody like Corvallon, maybe, or um, you know, any of the, the sort of forward players that they had, there to do that damage, um, then perhaps it would be a different scenario. But yeah, I don't see too many players in the Premier League struggling to to make that pay. And it was one of those ones where I think the instinct was because we've seen Norwich deconstructed so reg- regularly in the Premier League so recently. As soon as that happens, you're thinking, oh, here we go, 1-0. But actually, when you're in the Championship, that mentality should probably shift to, uh, you know, maybe there's a 40 or 50% chance Norwich are behind here because they can afford to to make those mistakes and let's not forget when we're praising these players um, you know we tend to look back on games and remember the key moments and almost see it back in highlights um, had had Omobama Deli made that mistake in the Premier League Norwich would probably be one behind and that's the, the gap in quality in the Premier League we can watch them in the Championship and we can say Yes, they're an excellent side. Yes, they're displaying the sort of characteristics you want to see from a promoted side that might have ambitions of staying in the Premier League 
once they get there in terms of the defensive solidity, the numbers um, in terms of goals conceded. But those are the sorts of things which you forget about, which then rear their heads again in the, the Premier League. And it's something that Norwich will have to improve upon almost without being called to because, um, you know, Dean Smith isn't going to be sat there now thinking what are the ways we can cut, cut out these sorts of mistakes. He's probably thinking about the, the positives and that's the benefit of analysis now is that they'll go back and they'll show Amabamadele that and they'll they'll challenge him to improve upon that. But I think these are the sorts of moments we have to remember when we look back and assess their um, sort of Premier League applicability if they do get promoted um, you know, next season because I think that's what makes Tamer Pukki a, a, a top-level, probably Premier League striker. Um, because when he gets into those positions, you think this is a goal and in the championship. There's already been and there will be plenty more scenarios where Norwich have put themselves in a, a, a really poor position and they get away with it. Um, and that, that's the difference, really. But yeah, um, I still think they they probably warranted the, the victory and, and those mistakes are, are bound to happen. Blackpool made those mistakes, you know, as you, as you saw. Um, I actually did turn to, to Adam... Um, you know, another member of our team after that goal. And I said, that's the championship for you. You know, as much as Norwich crafted great chances and they put themselves in great positions, the reality is the difference in the game was two mistakes and one team failing to to capitalise on it. Um, I think that Bristol game as well, looking back, it was a 3-2 between two of the championship's top sides that were actually five mistakes um, for the goals. So, you know, it shows you that even just a, a small step down from the Premier League, that's what football can be characterised by. And if Norwich can cut out those mistakes and continue to make the best of oppositions, um, then they can really put themselves in a, a very good position. Absolutely. And it's such a cultured finish as well for Buki. I know we, we kind of talk about how good a finisher he is, but actually to sit the goalkeeper down and you look at the finish, he actually puts it in the middle of the goal, which is which probably testament to um, how composed he was in that situation. Almost outfoxed the goalkeeper and... Uh, you, you reference kind of the, the chances and the game itself completely kind of the pendulum swung on that because before that, it, that goal arrived against the run of play. Blackpool were dominant. They did hit the post. They did have um, uh, sort of numerous possession opportunities and uh, and they forged maybe half chances out of that, albeit Norwich defended their, their box relatively well and, and Corbiano hitting the post was probably as, uh, as close as they came. Um, but thereafter, Pad, it, it was one-way traffic, wasn't it? And I suppose this is when we start talking about Marcelino Nunez and, uh, and Sam referenced Aaron Ramsey earlier. I, I would agree he, he was superb. But when when you have a player like Marcelino Nunez in that kind of situation, and it, it just felt everything was funneling through him. He's a he's a terrific footballer to watch when he's when he's on that type of form, in that type of system, in that type of game, pulling the strings. He is. He is. Although, again, if we want to be ultra critical, and again, you know, we everything probably we discuss this season, there has to be that Premier League thing at the back of your head, you know, because that's ultimately the end goal. And then to avoid the fate that's befell, fallen them in the last two times, they have to be better and considerably better. And even on Saturday, there was evidence where he lost the ball in dangerous positions, deep in his own final third. He does that in the Premier League. Um I think it'll be the same outcome, sadly. Uh, so he needs to, there are elements of his game. And to me, that's probably just a, a continued adaptation to the speed of English football in general, but the championship as well and, and how aggressive Blackpool pressed. You know, we've seen that trait from him and it, it, he needs to eradicate it. But on the other side of the ledger, yeah, he was, um, 
well, in them, if you take Smith at what he said post-match, they're probably best attacking phase of the season uh, in terms of the relentlessness of how they created chance after chance after chance. And really it was a, only the, the keeper, Maxwell, who prevented them being out of sight at half-time. He was, well, he was fundamental to that period. And that's the importance of the guy. And it's worth reiterating, you know, 22 years of age, he's come from South America and has taken no time whatsoever to to slot into that Norwich side, to adapt to English football, adapt to the rigours of the championship. And he's now indispensable. And he's coming off the back of going away with Chile and playing two games for them over the period as well. You know, he's just, um, it's a stunning piece of business. It, it looks increasingly from, from game to game that uh, Norwich have stolen that guy uh, in, in a football in transfer sense. And um, if he continues on this trajectory, you know, irrespective of whether Norwich get themselves back in the Premier League, he will be a Premier League player and Norwich will make considerably more than what they they paid um, his club in Chile for because um, he, he looks to be a, at 22. I mean, dear, oh Lord, what will he be like when he's actually at his peak, you know, in five, six years? Um, frightening prospect if he continues. And there's nothing what we see from the outside looking in in his character that he's one of those who would let it get to his head or get carried away or not continue to work hard. Very humble by all accounts. And as Smith said, you know, they have to drag him off the training pitches. He just loves the game. He just wants to be out there. He wants to play football all the time. Um, you saw there, there was a little segment just at the end of the game when he came over and he's doing the jig with the supporters in unison you know he's uh just a bobbly character and you can you could you could just well understand or well believe that in amongst that group he is one of the most popular players already and um part of that is because of the quality he brings on the pitch and yeah you know his passing his range of passing there was one ball he he fed out to hernandez there was a bit of trigonometry involved he had to sort of bend it round a, a midfielder in front of him and um pinpoint accuracy and, um, you know, create an opportunity for Hernandez. His quality on set pieces, whether he's taking them and testing the keeper as he did and clip the top of the post or, 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 you know, carving them onto the head of Grant Hanley or Kenny McLean at corners. Everything about his work on the ball is quality. And um, But but by the same token, I don't think we just want to uh, attribute that 20-minute power surge to the the majestic Marcelino Nunes because... Yes, he was good, but but as a collective, I just felt they moved it quicker. They moved it from defence through the thirds. They broke the lines. Yes, as we've discussed, Ramsey then finding the pockets of space ahead of Nunes, that intelligence. Um, you had the mobility of Pukki, but, but Max Aaron's got himself far more advanced. There was a collective optic in, in not just individuals, but in terms of the cohesiveness. And, that, and I think that's the thing that's been missing. And that's probably why Smith wanted to remark on that, that that period answers a lot of these questions about oh it feels disjointed it we're not quite sure what Norwich are trying to do how they're going to progress the ball because you know you contrast that with West Brom where they were so poor at that aspect of the game and partly that's credit to West Brom and how they set up and how they let Norwich have possession amongst their defenders or the holding midfielder but you know Blackpool post Pookie's goal psychologically that's a huge blow for them having started so well but Norwich had to pick it up and take it on. And and they were, they were ruthless in their intent. And uh, that for me, with Nunes at the heart of it, is what we need to see far more. Basically, Smith's challenge for me now is that type of passage of play. We need to, he needs to extract that and stretch it over much wider 90 minute performances. It can't be just a 15, 20 minute burst here, bookended by, you know, having to defend and be resilient. Yes, of course you have to do that. 
particularly against some of the teams they're going to face later on this month. But can they can they take that template that we saw in that 20-minute spell from Pukki's goal to halftime and elongate it and, and do it for longer and do it, do it better and, and add the goals and end product to some admirable play? Um, and, of course, if they are to do that, integral to that equation is Mr Nunes. Yeah, absolutely. And and the exciting thing, as you referenced there, is that there's there's more to come from him as well. I mean, Dean Smith has spoken about how the how he doesn't feel he's he's fully adapted to to English football yet. I think you can still see that within elements of his game. Um, but what he does do when he is on form and he is ticking is is pretty wonderful. And and just as a little kind of insight to his character, before games often away from home at home, um, players come out and kind of inspect the pitch often they come out and I would imagine go yep that, that's pretty good because they, they tend to be the, these days um, Marcelino Nunez um, appeared with his translator and instead of maybe taking in his, his surroundings was actually uh, getting the, the translator to take pictures of him in front of the, uh, the, the I don't know I think it was the north stand of, of the Blackpool uh, of the Blackpool Stadium which is um, quite interesting I would imagine considering maybe what a lot of players felt when they arrived at that stadium and the type of test they were going to get this afternoon but just seems a man who who is loving being in England. We had a reference to the jig at the end, which was, um, which was, um, in, you know, I've not seen a player do that before. Um, there, there's also the the constant thumbs up, smiling, waving. I think it's easy to see why he's a popular figure, not just within the dressing room, but also among his own teammates. And he has the quality to back that up. And um, and the free kick as well that hit the bar was. Um, was excellent technique-wise, but there was also the cross for, for Grant Hanley's header, which um, was actually a lot closer than, than it probably looked in, in real time as well, um, to be completely honest. And, and when Norwich have have those spells, it often feels like Nunez is, is instrumental to it. But as you say, there's, there's a lot of other factors that went into it. But but also, in recent weeks, it's probably we've probably seen him have too much pressure thrust upon his shoulders in that type of situation where he's almost been asked to drag the team forward. And, and those sort of um, cameos from other people haven't been as forthcoming and that's probably what lifted Norwich City's performance up a few notches yesterday. The fact that his uptick in performance was met by by those around him and, and that was um, very positive to see. Um, Sam, just to conclude on this game then before we we look forward, I mean, Paddy's sort of kind of referenced the performance there and that's kind of the natural place to go, I think, in terms of this being an effective win, a hard-fought win, as I referenced at the top of the show, which is what everyone wants to kind of um, categorise a 1-0 away win as the perfect away win is is often a phrase that's uttered. But is it possible, uh, are people simply expecting too much for Norwich when, when we talk about these type of games, to go away from home and to dominate games for 90 minutes at this type of uh, of place when, when it is intimidating? We've referenced all the context and conditions, so we don't need to go around that again. But is it possible for Norwich City to push your performance over 90 minutes in these type of conditions, particularly away from home. I think it's probably a slightly different situation at home. Well, that was something Dean Smith referenced before the game, wasn't it? He spoke about how even in the Premier League, Liverpool and Manchester City don't dominate 90 minutes of games and how Norwich had a, a good spell at Anfield last season. I think the the difference that he possibly left out there was Norwich are, are producing real dominance for maybe... 20, 30 minutes. Um, at their best, they've had very strong halves um, this season. And you look at teams like Liverpool and Manchester City and they're probably dominating games for 82 minutes and they're letting teams in for, you know, eight or nine eight or nine minutes here or there. And what Norwich need to do is, you know, maybe it's not possible to 
to dominate games for 90 minutes just because of the psychology of football. It's very difficult to, when you're 1-0 up, I know everybody, there's this cliche of, oh, it's 0-0, but nobody actually plays like that when they're 1-0 up with 10 minutes left. But could they play like that from minute zero to minute 80? I think the best teams definitely could. And that's what Norwich fans are are hoping to see. Um, The conditions is an interesting point and probably a, a fair one because there's a lot of things go out of your control when things are like that and um it becomes almost just a a battle of uh, of wills to to see who can force the ball in in the opposite direction as best they can um but you know you look at it as a body of work and we've yet to see across the season a game where Norwich have dominated for 60 70 minutes and that's what they should be doing as a team who going into the start of the season probably were the favorites for championship promotion or at least in the, the top two or three um so I think it definitely is possible and it's not too demanding to ask that they dominate for more than 20 minutes. I think that's totally fair, especially against a team who going into the game were 19th in the championship. You know, Blackpool were sturdy and they had all those attributes you discussed about, you know, making it a tough place to go and, and all the cliches. But at the end of the day, the quality they have in that squad, you know, they brought on, with all due respect, Gary Medine to, to change the game. And, you know, he's a, a decent enough EFL striker. But when Norwich have got players like, you know, potentially £10 million Gabriel Sara on the bench, Kieran Dow, who's got plenty of championship experience, goals and assists, um, you know, plenty, plenty of players in that squad who maybe weren't, were even struggling to make the, the match day squad. Um, who Blackpool would, would potentially have in their starting eleven. When you're coming up against teams of that calibre, Norwich really should be dominating for, for longer periods. Um, and, you know, I totally understand that this was the sort of game where you can't do that, but or maybe where it's more difficult to do that. But you look at seasons prior, and I remember a 1-0 win at QPR where Norwich weren't particularly impressive um, in that. Was, was, that when, was that when Timmy Pukki scored the goal that wasn't a proper goal? That was uh, yeah, was somehow you said that at the time. I can't remember who said that, but yeah, the, yeah, the it, was... said it wasn't a proper goal, yeah, yeah, it was that one. Um, and you know, I don't want to keep harking back to 2018 19, but I think games like that were more um palatable because they came in the midst of regular possession dominant, um, entertaining performances. And this win at Blackpool is, is a fantastic win, and it it's there were plenty of signs of a good team, but it. it was what's becoming a regular pattern for Norwich. And I don't think it's necessarily totally sustainable to to always want to be part of those um, sort of ground out, hard fought wins. And, you know, unless you really do buy into that, and we've seen, the t- you know, the likes of Stoke, um, maybe Middlesbrough previously get out of the championship by buying into those principles. I don't think Norwich have bought into those principles. I think that's just what's getting through them, what's getting them through at the moment. Um, and they are a team that looks like they want to dominate games and they want to be in possession and they want to be attacking. Um, They don't want to be defined by those principles. And going forward, perhaps we do need to see that that spell of dominance stretched out a little bit. But um, the good sign for me is I think it's coming. I think they look better and better in possession quite regularly. Perhaps if you forget about that that West Brom game and Sam Barham said there was a little bit of an illness bug going through the squad. So perhaps that was a... Um, that was an indicator of why things perhaps didn't go their their way in that game. But if you broaden it out, I think they have been looking like they're getting better in possession and they have looked like they're 
gelling together as a squad a little bit more. So I think it's it's probably coming. Even law of averages, a team that keeps winning this many games, will have to do it at some point. But Norwich fans want to see it on a, a consistent basis, and I think that's a, a totally justified and realistic um, demand. Yes, yeah, it's, it's interesting because I, I think yesterday we probably learnt a lot more about the intangibles than perhaps we did what they are as a, as a group of players and, uh, and what they're trying to do from, from a tactical perspective. But it, it's an interesting debate and it will rage on for every win and every performance that is like this. And, and, and you know, it's it's difficult, particularly with, with the context of, of what we've seen in recent seasons and, and how they've got promoted. If they do get promoted, it is still an if, obviously, at this stage. Um, is is that enough? And, and is the... the the manner of which they do it more important than actually doing it. And, and I think that's a debate that's going to rage on all season, this performance versus results debate that's that's been going on, unless there's a significant shift or change uh, in terms of, uh, of what they do. Um, Pad, this this game starts what is a pretty hectic month. I've, I've certainly not seen a month that contains eight games in it before, I don't think, from memory. Obviously, this season is slightly unique because of the, the World Cup break that we if we're allowed to call it a break, I'll have to check with Dean Smith, but the World Cup um, period that we've got where, where there are no games for a portion of time. Um, Norwich have games, I mean, they play Reading on Tuesday, which we'll get into a bit later on. They're third at, at this moment in time. They play Sheffield United, they play Burnley, they play Watford. Um, all of those games are away from home, by the way, as well. They, they, they are going to be on the road more than they're going to be at home. I think it's 12 games now to the World Cup um, break period. This is the month where we're going to learn, isn't it? And just to kind of link it back to what we were speaking about, about this debate, this is where we're going to learn maybe which side of the coin Norwich City are on, or, or maybe if they're somewhere down the middle, which perhaps is, is the most likely outcome. Well, yes, there's no doubt. I mean, you've referenced Sheffield United, Reading, um, Burnley. I think is that three of the other top four as we sit here? I'd have to call up the league table. Yep, Sheffield United, Norwich, Reading, Burnley. So... And three of, and those three games all away from home. So if, if Norwich emerge unscathed from this swing this month, still sort of sitting in that type of position, having played those teams, then for me it's it definitively been answered. This Norwich group uh, are good enough to go and get results um, against the best sides in this division, and uh, and they can add the panache and add the polish uh, as we as we move through. But as as Dean Smith, I keep going back to this. He said after that Birmingham comeback stoppage time win recently on El Hernandez, those are the hard yards. It's it's not looking back next May and you're in the Premier League. Hopefully, uh, didn't we? Didn't we scratch around at Blackpool? Didn't we scratch around at Burnley? No, it's about we we got the wins. In the case of Blackpool, we followed it with a clean sheet as well, and and that's clearly the mindset. Dean Smith said after the game on Saturday, he basically sat down his his players. When he got more back together after the international period, and and mapped out how important this, I think he said it was eleven games um, spell was, and that they needed to get as many wins on the board as they could, um, and it's just an attritional spell now. It isn't about, you know, as I say, battering teams four and five. It's about going to Reading firstly this coming Tuesday. It's about going to to Burnley uh, and Sheffield United in the space of I think three days. Sheffield United then Burnley towards the end of this month and coming back with something, maybe not necessarily wins. Um, that would be probably too unrealistic, but uh, to, to expect they could go to all three and come back with three wins, but certainly not to get beaten. And that's why I think you have to take a lot of 
confidence into those games because of, again, what we saw at Blackpool defensively and what we saw at Sheffield United previously, what we saw even at Birmingham and those places. You know, when questions are asked of them defensively, they have that resilience, they have that character, that willingness to, to put bodies on the line, to defend Tim Krul's goal. And they will need those attributes in abundance going to these type of teams because by definition of the fact that they're up around Norwich, they're clearly winning games, they're confident, they have players who can score goals and they will have players who can create chances. So Norwich are going to get, make no mistake, tested defensively in these upcoming games against the top teams. Um, and and you have to be reasonably confident uh, that they'll be able to withstand that. And then, as we keep talking, it's just whether they can add what they need to add at the other end of the pitch um, to get draws or even better wins. But um, yeah, I don't think there's any doubt. By the time we do pause uh, for the World Cup month, which I think is around about the 12th of November, is it, from memory? Um, I think it's Middlesbrough, isn't it, around about the 12th of November? You know, if if the final whistle blows at Cairo that afternoon and uh, see you see you in a month, guys, but Norwich are in first or second position, then without without assuming anything is taken for granted, uh, I would feel pretty confident Norwich will be heading back towards a Premier League um, because they will have navigated a period that they're not going to be facing again for the rest of the season and in terms of the congested nature of it, in terms of the challenges they'll face into the quality of team, the fact that there are away games as well. You know, there's no Cairo games against the top sides. If they can emerge and scave from that period and be in a similar position in the league table, then, you know, it, it looks it looks pretty good. It looks pretty good for a third straight promotion, I think. Yeah, it definitely does. And and the thing is as well, when you've got a schedule like this where there's eight games in a month and we, and we, we, we have put a lot of emphasis on performance in this podcast throughout the season, partially you have to manage that, don't you? And it's very difficult to do that, um, albeit with, with a squad that's deep and has quality. But to actually manage that schedule, when you have to change the squad a lot, and Norwich will have to change the squad from game to game, I think that's going to be a natural byproduct of, of the fixture list this month. To then have a, a really good level of performance becomes increasingly difficult. It's not impossible, it, but it, it becomes increasingly difficult. Um, perhaps easier if you have a set structure, which I think it's probably fair to say Norwich don't necessarily have at this stage. Um, so maybe that will impact what we see over the next the next month, and maybe that will tip the balance back into the favour of results over performances. And uh, and just to to go on to that debate, um, well, I'm going to say take a, take a slight tangent now before we we, we speak about Reading. Um, I, I'm going to set the scene for you. So I first week of the international break, I went away, decided that I was I was going to switch off as we as we all need to do. Um, so I didn't read anything of Norwich City nature. Come back on the Monday of, of week two of the international period. Um, the first kind of story I see is around Liz Trust spending nearly two grand in, in the club shop, which, um, you know, we can we can discuss the merits of that. But I thought we'd, we'd twist it a little bit. So, Sam, if I handed you um, £1,800 to go and spend in Norwich City's club shop, what would be at the top of your list? What, what are you going in there? What's going to be your first buy? Um, depends whether I'm being practical or, or enjoying myself. I think if I'm enjoying myself... you got enough myself, money to do both, let's be honest. Well, yeah, no, that's true. So, yeah, in that case, probably probably third shirt, I think. I'd, I'd have I'd have all my Christmas presents sorted, that'd be for sure. Everyone in the family is getting a Norwich shirt. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't think I could actually go in there and spend to spend that amount of money on myself. I'd have to genuinely, I'd have to get other people involved. I, I, don't, I don't know if they... I mean, I know stuff's expensive now, but beyond kits, you could probably buy all the kits. Well, you definitely could buy all the kits and the training wear. 
um, without even getting close to the limit. So I don't know what you're doing there. Um, maybe I would furnish my, my flat a, a considerable amount with various Norwich City items, but uh, not sure I really want that sort of that yellow and green theme, um, to be honest. But no, if I had to pick one thing from the, the club shop, I think it would certainly be a, a kit and the, my favourite so far this season. Well, my favourite is probably the home shirt, but I think that's a bit... Um, it's a bit ordinary now. Everybody loves the the home shirt, so I've got to be a bit quirky and, and go for the third shirt, which I also um, do like. To be fair, they've they've knocked it out of the park this season with the the kits, so it's a shame. Um, old Liz wasn't wasn't in the the club shop this season. Looks like she's had to suffer through a, a mixed bag last season, unfortunately. Yeah, now now I know because because obviously Pad's allegiances are elsewhere, so I don't think he's heading for the kits. So I, I'm thinking maybe a Norwich City gnome, maybe uh, there's various board games. Where where are you heading, Pad? You might even decide, given given the state of everything, to to just keep the money in your pocket and and maybe come back at a later date. But what what are you thinking if you're if you have an unlimited amount of money and you're going into the Norwich City shop? What what's the first thing on your list? Well, you just said I, I, there was an option for me to keep the money. So I'm retracting that. In this hypothetical situation, there isn't. Right. Well, that's a shame because I, I wouldn't be giving Norwich City Club shop a penny of my there, money. There's also, just to cut across, there's also the Cortiba shirts now that, that are stocked in the club shop. So that's an option, I suppose, if you want to be a bit quirky. Yeah, no, if we, no, no. I mean, it. <laughs> I well, I mean, as Sam was mapping it out there, I think. I mean, I've got a two-year-old. I, he hasn't. I haven't pushed him in any direction, be it Coventry or Norwich City or football per se. Uh, but could do with redecorating his room. He's he's getting to the stage where um, you know baby pictures of giraffes and zebras on the wall probably needs to move it up a level. So if I could get a free refurb uh, of green and yellow curtains, bedspreads, everything else. Sofas. I, I must confess, I haven't checked what the range of uh, products are at Club Shop, but I'm sure there's a whole range of kitting out toddlers' bedrooms. So, yeah, if it, if it could save me two grand to do that, then uh, yeah, happy days. But um, nothing, nothing that I would be seen uh, wearing. That's for sure. But uh, obviously, Connor again, it's only beholden on us to throw that one back in your direction. Well, do you, do you know what I'm a range of ideas. Do you know what I'm now doing? I've now opened the uh, the shop on my uh, on my on on the screen in front of me, and I've headed immediately for the souvenirs section because I feel like this is where the the best wonders are going to be. Um, but I don't I don't really know, nor do I know how it's possible. There's some some very nice scarves. You can get a permanent marker pen, Norwich City permanent marker pen, if if you uh, if you so wished. There's a, a you can get a pin badge of Onel Hernandez's face. That's only ninety nine p. So yeah, that's that's not um taking too much out of your your budget uh you could get a yellow and green wig i'm saying a jester hat a norwich city jester hat the the uh the the opportunities are, are endless i don't know where i'd have uh, maybe maybe one of those gnomes just because i think if, if that was in the garden you wouldn't get any intruders would you so maybe that's i'm, I'm thinking on a security perspective that would uh that would work quite well um <laughs> yeah it's 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 interesting maybe maybe we'll branch out for our listeners if if the money was endless and you were walking into the Norwich city shop what which would be the first thing you you would go to i don't maybe i'll throw this over to you lads do we need to exclude the kits because that feels like it's going to be a popular one do we say aside yeah. from the kits yeah it's a bit of a dull, a bit of an easy answer for me as you were mapping out the options there i was thinking uh maybe a norwich city watch or something i think they do those but yeah as paddy as uh as you were posing the question to paddy i thought have i got the opportunity to put 1,800 pounds in my pocket here because that's what I would do absolutely 
Uh, I'm not giving them to you. So okay. <laughs> maybe if, if someone volunteers to give you that, we can we can do it as, a, as an experiment. But yeah, we'll, we'll throw that over to, to the listeners and they can get in touch. Of course, you can get in touch on social media. You can email us uh, and let us know the answer to to that particular question. Uh, of course, inspired by Liz Truss's spending spree in the Norwich City Club shop in her time at the at the Foreign Office. Um, finally, then let's let's look ahead to Tuesday night because as as we've kind of touched upon, it's feels it's gone a little bit under the radar I think for me but this is a a big game if Norwich City are, um, are beaten by Reading they would fall out of the the top two they, they would be leapfrogged by by Reading in that situation Reading who, who are yet to draw a game all season so it's a bit all or nothing for them uh, so far under Paul Ince they've actually got a minus two goal difference sitting in third place at this moment in time a lot of people kind of tip them for relegation this year because of the, the sheer amount of players that they'd lost, um, maybe who their manager was as well, without being disrespectful to, to Paul Ince. He, he spent a long time out of the game before he, he stepped back in at Reading. Um, so I think there's, 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 they've upset probably the odds in terms of their, their early season form. How, how do you view this one, Pad? Because it's, it's an interesting one for Norwich City to walk into. And, and, and I mean, we've kind of referenced the various tests that they've got this month. I suppose this is the first one that we're we're looking at as being a really big indicator of what Dean Smith's team are and, uh, and probably where they are as well against probably those top teams because they're, they're yet to play any of the uh, of, of, of the teams in the top six so far. Yeah, I mean, Bristol City must have been in and around that, Mark, surely when they came to Car Road. I think they're outside, but the, the current top six, so I read out Sheffield United, Reading, Burnley, QPR, Blackburn. They haven't played any of those teams yet. I think they, they play... They play QPR before the World Cup break as well, don't they? So they've got five of the six before the, the World Cup break. Obviously, that will change as well. You've got Luton um, on, on the outskirts. Swansea have shot up to to 10th. So it, it changes a bit. But of the current top six. Yeah, well, the reason I throw them in is because I, I think you'll get a similar vibe from... Uh, I mean, Bristol came here. They were full of confidence and, and really, really... Th- there was no fear in terms of how they attacked it. They wanted to basically impose their style of play and, and the type of game they wanted to play on Norwich. And more so with it being ready at home, I would assume they would want to do that. I'm just looking down at some of their results and and more so the the goals. And Lucas Jow is the one who stands out. You know, there's a there's a player who, who's been around this level for a while now, had a big rep, reputation when he arrived at Reading. He's 38 league goals in 74 starts for Reading. So he clearly is their main threat. He's their top scorer this season. So you would imagine a lot of their attacking threat will, will be sort of woven around what he can do. But in terms of, we had, was it was it the, the Farkas second season? It was re- one of those two seasons. I think it was. Reading were were the, the pace setters. They started very well, very well, and fell away uh, to a degree. And, you know, I, I find it probably a stretch to, to suggest that they would be able to maintain where they are at a minute. Um, I've looked down their squad list and... Uh, I wouldn't say there's any standout performers there for me um, that Norwich need to be fearful of, but you have to respect that they've got the points on the board. They're winning games of football and um, that they will be super confident. So, uh, you know, Norwich will be getting a test. There's no doubt about it on Tuesday night, but that's an interesting one if they haven't had a draw this season, because that almost leads it to being a, you know, a stalemate on the night. And if it was, and I, I don't think that's the worst result from Norwich's perspective. You know, you've kept a team who are in around you just at arm's length a little bit. Um, but what you would expect is the onus is going to be firmly on Reading to force the pace and, um, and try and push Norwich back. And as we keep talking about, you know, Norwich's defensive resolution came through again on Saturday. I think if they, if that's, 
if that's uh, as as secure as we saw on Saturday and as we've we've seen at previous points already this season on Tuesday night, then you have to think with the players that we've talked about on this pod, you know, Puki and Ramsey and Nunes, that they will create chances themselves. So, yeah, nothing to fear. I don't think there's any team in this division Norwich need to fear. Um, but you have to respect Reading and, and the start they've had. And uh, and if Norwich are off it, then, yeah, they can get caught out as they did at Hull earlier this season, you know, as they did at Cardiff earlier this season. I'm sure Dean Smith would shoot back that this is a very different group of players now and, and the results bear that out. But, you know, it's it's one thing putting yourself in a good position now and having a solid platform to build from, but it's from here on now. And we, we don't want to labour the point, but this period from now until the, the World Cup starts, if they... They back up what they've done in the first eleven games and 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 produce something similar in terms of points, hauls, and clean sheets. Then, you know, they'll they'll have really, I think, sent out a definitive statement that uh, under this head coach and that group of players, you're going to have to be a very good side to finish above them. I think. Absolutely, and we will be there at the Mendeti Stadium on uh, Tuesday evening to see if Norwich City can make it two away wins from two. I think we, we a draw actually four points from two games. It takes it back to the average of two points per game, doesn't it? Doesn't necessarily work out as the worst thing in the world. But if Norwich could get six and uh, and put a little bit more daylight between themselves and, and Reading, that's that's certainly a positive thing at this stage of the season as well. And then obviously we reconvene at Carrow Road next weekend for Preston, isn't it? So um, that that's uh, likely to be a high scoring affair, judging by. Preston's uh, start to this season. Thank you very much for listening. Sam, Paddy, thank you very much for joining me. Uh, it was uh, one of the, the better trips to the seaside, I think, um, Blackpool, particularly uh, given given the way the game panned out. It's, um, it's going to be an interesting month for Norwich City and that was a perfect way to get it going. Thank you very much for listening and we'll see you again next week.